Hello, Community Health Center advocates. This is Kristen St. John. Welcome to this week's Advocacy in Minutes. It's September 15th, 2021, and here's the latest in advocacy and more in minutes. Joining me today is Nick Walbuena. Have you ever thought about how our tax dollars are spent on strengthening our communities and ensuring our safety? Our taxes provide funding to ensure that we have, for example, safe and effective medicines, the Food and Drug Administration, trustworthy certified medical, dental, and mental health providers, health and human services, safe vehicles and driving conditions, National Transportation Safety Board, green space to explore and relax, the national parks, mail delivery to every community, the U.S. Postal Service, and unemployment insurance during economic downturns, Department of Labor. Right now, the House of Representatives is deciding what to invest in to ensure our communities have the people and programs needed to be safe and healthy. They recognize that one of the United States' greatest assets is the network of community health centers because we consistently meet the challenges of local and national emergencies by saving and helping rebuild lives and livelihoods. Community health centers have proven that we are essential health care homes for millions of people, people in our communities with and without insurance. Invite family, friends, and colleagues to stand with us in our advocacy for funding to increase access to care with expanded and renovated facilities and added workforce. Health centers can, can provide the level of care our communities and lawmakers ask of them only if provided with additional resources for long-term stability. As always, please email us at grassroots at NAC.org if we can provide support for your advocacy efforts. Okay, let's get to it. Nick, tell us what's happening on the Hill. Last week, the House Energy and Commerce and Ways and Means Committees released the legislative drafts for the Partisan Reconciliation Spending Plan, the Build Back Better Act, ahead of their markups to debate and amend the draft bill text. The Energy and Commerce Committee's draft included $10 billion for health center capital projects, $6 billion for the Teaching Health Center Graduate Medical Education Program, and $300 million for Nurse Corps. The legislation would also establish a new federal Medicaid program for non-expansion states and expansion of Medicare to include dental, vision, and hearing services. Advocacy is still needed to ensure our $10 billion in infrastructure and $6.3 billion in workforce funding remains in the House Reconciliation Package as it moves through committees to a floor vote. Speaker Nancy Pelosi aims to pass the Partisan Reconciliation Spending Plan Build Back Better Act and bipartisan infrastructure bill passed by the Senate in August by September 27th. While looking to meet this ambitious schedule, Pelosi is working to balance progressive Democrats' desires to pass an entire $3.5 trillion spending plan and the need to pass a bill that can make it through the Senate. Senator Manchin has called for a pause on Democrats' consideration of the Build Back Better Act. Senator Joe Manchin has repeatedly said he would not vote for a $3.5 trillion bill and has instead expressed support for spending bill in the range of $1 to $1.5 trillion. As Congress works to pass the Build Back Better Act, the House is also expected to take up continuing resolution the week of September 20th. Without a package of the fiscal 2022 appropriations bill by September 30th, a continued resolution will be required to prevent a government shutdown. 
the House will likely look to pass a continued resolution to fund the government until December 10th. Either the continued resolution or a separate emergency relief package will include an increase to debt ceiling. The emergency relief package would provide additional funding for hurricane and flood damages and Afghan refugees. Now, Kristen, any interesting health center news you'd like to share? Thanks, Nick. Inman Area Health Center was honored to help support health and safety during the 20th observance of September 11th by providing COVID-19 testing to our military service members, National Park Service team, and family members of the loved ones lost on the morning of September 11, 2001. HAHC was moved by the heroic actions of the flight, 93 passengers and crew that thwarted the hijackers' attempt on the U.S. Capitol. As Bill Curtis, CEO of HAHC, stated, quote, this is a great honor to be part of the 20th observance of September 11th and words cannot express the emotions of this day, end quote. Next, Chief Medical Officer Dr. Ron Yi was recently featured in the Washington Post. Dr. Yi's comments were part of the Post coverage of the Biden administration's new COVID measures and the distribution of rapid testing kits. Quote, community health centers could benefit too. Rapid test kits are not widely available at community health centers, which tend to rely on laboratories to process samples. We are still working on the vaccines, but on the other side, the rapid tests are key to mitigating spread, he was quoted. You can find the link to the story in this week's Washington update. The NAC blog is one of the places reporters look for innovative ways community health centers respond to our community's challenges. Check out some of the recent stories from the NAC staff and let us know if you have an account you want us to tell. Nick? The Using Data to Tell Your Story section includes links to bi-weekly health centers response to COVID-19 infographic for you to download. Our research team also has the new Medicaid and CHPI-PHE termination impact survey available to fill out. All FQHC CEOs have received an email to participate in this short seven-question survey about the impact of the termination of Medicaid and CHIP's PHE flexibilities will have on their patients and centers. If they have not received this email or have any questions, please have them contact Sarah Baser at sbaser at NAC.org. However, before we head out today, gum disease remains one of the most prevalent chronic diseases in the United States, with 46% of adults over 30 showing some symptoms. Although significant improvements have improved oral health in America, many people still experience barriers to preventative or essential dental care. Black Americans, Latinos, and Native Americans, as well as low-income populations, children, and pregnant women are at greater risk of oral health disease. The pandemic has only exacerbated the disparities experienced by these populations. You can find the link to National Institute for Healthcare Management Foundation's infographic in this week's Washington update. Hey, some quick reminders. Please continue to refer to our HC Advocacy Coronavirus Advocacy Tools in this challenging time. You can find the advocacy website at hcadvocacy.org. For further support, please email us at grassroots at NAC.org or follow us on Twitter and Facebook at HC Advocacy. As always, a huge thank you to all of our advocates for your strong advocacy efforts. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and healthy. We'll be back next week.